We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. We're talking about dangerous times. We started this series two weeks ago. I want to continue it today and probably the next couple of weeks, depending on how far we get today. I really don't have any hope of getting through <coughs> of getting through the outline. <coughs> and at this rate, we won't even get through the introduction. Amen. <laughs> you got to love Florida and allergies. Amen. Love it. What's, what's not to love about living in Tallahassee? The place of five million trees and all of them putting off something that makes you clog up. You just got to love it. Dangerous times are times when we as believers either find a hidey hole and cover ourselves up and worry about me and mine, or there are days when we take a hard look at what the Scripture tells us and recognize they're actually days of opportunity. We live in dangerous times. The natural disasters of the last month or so, earthquakes around the world, wars and rumors of wars, racial tension ratcheting up even again in America, on and on we can go. I don't need to paint the picture for you. You're living the picture. You understand we live in dangerous times. So in dangerous times, we must be careful that as believers, we don't focus on the horizon. We don't focus on the atmosphere. We don't focus on the media or the news, but we focus on the good news of Jesus Christ. Because in dangerous times, in ages of despair, the gospel is a message of hope. The gospel is a message of life, of redemption. That's what we need to focus on. So look at your text with me this morning, Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. Now, I like that word. It's a good old King James word. If you read it from the newer translations, it will say, see that you walk carefully. Carefully. So circumspectly means carefully or precisely. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, make a melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. As we read those scriptures, Paul lays out a pattern of life for you and me, how we should navigate dangerous times. We're going to talk about the first one of those this morning and then look at the others a little bit later on. We all can see the signs that danger is all around us. Kind of reminds me of the two brothers from Oklahoma who lived on a dirt road in the backside of nowhere. And the bridge just around the curve, the road, the curve from their house went out, was washed out. So they thought, well, we need to warn people. So about a half a mile away, they put up a sign that said, stop. And then a quarter of a mile away, they put up a sign that said, turn around. And then about a hundred yards before the curve, they put up a sign that says, Turn back before it's too late. And they were amazed that cars kept running into the river because the bridge was out. They turned and looked at each other after two of the cars and went into the river and said, Do you think we should have just said the bridge is out? (laughs) What I'm trying to show you this morning, folks, is when we're living in dangerous times, we have to clearly communicate we have an answer. We have to clearly communicate the hope that is within us. 
Peter said, be ever ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Always ready to tell someone that in dangerous times, there is a better way. There is an answer. There is hope. There is opportunity. We have to be careful how we communicate so that people understand that. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 14, 8 says, if the trumpet blows an uncertain sound, who will prepare for war? He said, well, you've got to make sure that we're communicating clearly the truth of Jesus Christ and His love and that God is able to come and help us in those dangerous times. Dangerous times sometimes also raise questions. I know this is hard to believe, but every question can't be answered by Googling it. Every question can't be answered by Siri. It's just absolutely not going to happen. But every question can be answered by the eternal word of the living God. And if we will point men to Jesus and to his word, they will find answers that will guide and direct their life as well as ours and enable us not only to live, but to live victoriously in dangerous times. The word of God is quick and sharp and powerful. The word of God never returns void. The word of God does has the answer for your dilemma. If we'll just open the book and begin to read. Someone said, well, I can't understand it. Well, then get a version you can understand. This is not a King James only church. I thought I'd get an amen there instead of a chuckle. (laughs) We have to understand it's important that people read and, and understand what the Word of God is saying. And it really doesn't matter to me if it's the King James or the New King James or the NIV or the Message or the Amplified or on and on and on down the road we go. What's important is you get God's Word in your heart so God's Word guides and directs your life. It's the roadmap for dangerous times. We need to make sure our message is clear, it's concise, it's heard, it's understood in dangerous times. Sometimes we speak a language that's all our own in Christianity. Have you noticed that? We're sanctified. What in the world does that mean? Why don't you go tell a sinner, I'm sanctified? Last week we were in Amarillo, Texas, and we were there for M25 meetings. We appreciate you letting us go. M25 is a ministry of our church that reaches out to the homeless and the hurting, the outcast, to veterans, to uh, individuals who are desperately in need that many times are overlooked by the church. And to culminate those meetings, they had a big biker rally. And in that rally, they'd invited the outlaw biker gangs in Texas. So the Bandidos were there. The Sons of the the Southern Monarchs were there. Several other gangs were there. Can you imagine if I'd walked up to the president of the Bandidos and said, man, I'm sanctified. He'd have slapped me silly. Come on, folks, we got to realize our vocabulary sometimes doesn't translate to the world. We see that happening all the time around us. Matter of fact, uh, let me give you some examples. From English to Russian, if you were to say out of sight, out of mind, everybody knows that expression, right? When you translate that to Russian, you know what it means? It means invisible idiot. Not quite the same. From English to Japanese and then back to English, Hamlet's question, to be or not to be, that is the question, translates, it is, it is not, what is it? It doesn't quite work the same. Kind of like this one, Electrolux. Any of you ladies have an Electrolux vacuum cleaner? Made in Sweden, did you know that? They're a Swedish product. And when they launched an advertising campaign in America, they didn't quite get it right because they said, nothing sucks like an Electrolux, whatever that name is, Electrolux. 
Amazing, isn't it? This is really my favorite, though. Parker pens. Maybe some of you have Parker pens. Launched a big campaign in Mexico for one of their new pens, a ballpoint pen. The advertisements were supposed to say, it won't leak in your pocket and embarrass you. But the copywriters didn't know Spanish, and they didn't understand that the word empezar in Spanish did not mean embarrass, but it meant, let me say it this way. This is what the slogan said, it won't leak in your pocket and make you pregnant. (laughs) Didn't quite get there, did they? Sometimes that's the way we are. We don't quite get there in our communication. We keep things cloaked in churchy terms. Come on, folks, we've got to get real in dangerous times. We've got to effectively communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ in dangerous times. We have to recognize opportunity is at the door. Will we walk through it and engage that opportunity? Or will we step back and say, no, I don't think that's what I want to do. I don't think that's what God wants me to do. Can I tell you that God wants you to engage every opportunity to share His grace, His mercy, His love, His redemption. The fact that His Son died on the cross and three days later, He rose again from the dead. God wants you to tell somebody today, this is what God did for me. This is how God has impacted my life. This is the difference that knowing Jesus Christ has made to me and to my family. That's really all he's asking you to do, engage in the opportunity. Because dangerous times lead to days of opportunity. In the text, Paul said we need to make the most of our time because the days are evil. Reminds me of another verse that Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, where he said it this way. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's grace became more abundant. The King James says, where sin did abound, grace does much more abound. Do you hear that? That's the marching order of the church today. We are not to sit in our pews and thank God we're saved. He didn't save you just to get you to heaven. He saved you to make you dangerous, to engage the enemy, to take advantage of every opportunity, and to show Jesus Christ. Oh, it's time to stop bemoaning the state of our culture and start talking about the answer that we have in Jesus Christ. It's time to recognize He is the only way, the truth, and the life. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Dangerous times are days of opportunity. If you think of nothing else or remember nothing else this morning, remember that. The culture that we live in will continue to grow more and more evil. Things will continue to spiral out of control on the world scene. Disasters will continue to occur. Wars will continue to rise up. That little fat man in Korea probably at some point will do something really stupid that sparks a lot of things we don't want to see happen. We have to understand we can't step back and hide. We've got to press in. Walk into those dangerous days and take advantage of the opportunity. We were driving back from Amarillo last Tuesday, and the Spirit began to speak to my heart about what we need to do as a church for Puerto Rico. You know, the damage and the devastation that Maria caused in Puerto Rico. We have so many members here in our church that have roots in Puerto Rico. Either they're from there or their family is there. So many. Matter of fact, how many of you are from the islands of the Caribbean? Would you just stand right now? Stand right where you're at. From all across the sanctuary. Stand if you're from the islands. 
all across. So many, and so many are not here this morning that are from the islands. Thank you. Be seated. We're praying for your families. We're praying for your homeland. We're praying for grace and mercy to cover that place. But sometimes we have to do something more than just pray. You've all heard the stories how things have been difficult getting into Puerto Rico. And God began speaking to my spirit and he said, call Sadie and see if her home church would be interested in pastoring, uh, partnering with us to get supplies to that community. So that's what we're doing. And I believe that God's going to do a great work. Someone said this last week, well, why don't you just send it through another agency? It'll get there. You missed the point. It's a day of opportunity. It's an opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ in Puerto Rico to show love and grace and mercy to those that maybe they've never been able to touch before. In evil times, doors open for us to touch people we would never reach in any other circumstance. Would you guys show that video for me this morning and say to Antonio, come and prepare. I want you to watch this video and then let God speak to your heart about this day of opportunity. A Caribbean island and unincorporated U.S. territory with a landscape of mountains and waterfalls. The island is known for its gorgeous beaches, nice hotels, and El Yunque tropical rainforest. Its old San Juan neighborhood features colorful Spanish colonial buildings and El Moro and La Fortaleza massive centuries-old fortresses. It's for sure a picturesque place where music, good food, and hospitality are the norm. Due to its location, the island encounters a high cyclonic activity. Therefore, Puerto Ricans are used to enduring storms and inclement weather. They know that during the back-to-school shopping season, they must shop for both school and hurricane supplies. They know the drill, and they know it pretty well. Therefore, when Storm Maria, Mary in English, was on the horizon, 3.4 million Puerto Ricans began to get ready to cope with it. A Category 5 storm has not hit directly the island since 1928. On September 20th, the entire island braced for Maria. It seems that they were not expecting that a storm with such a sweet name would strike them with such fury and fierceness. Maria's direct hit was devastating. It lashed the island with sustained winds of 155 miles per hour from 3 a.m. to 9 p.m. Actually, by mid-morning, Maria had fully engulfed the 100-mile-long island. For 18 hours, Maria pounded Puerto Rico as the third strongest storm ever to hit a U.S. territory, damaging everything in its path. Every single one of the 78 municipalities, there was not one area spared. And then the aftermath was scarier than the powerful winds and the 30 inches of rain the storm brought. Maria was so powerful that it disabled radar, weather stations, and cell towers across Puerto Rico, causing panic among families at home and abroad who were unable to contact their loved ones. Intense damage on 100% of the island. Winds snapped palm trees, uprooted trees, shredded homes, and sent debris skidding across beaches and roads. Recreational boats sank in San Juan's marinas. Most of the island flooded, entire families drowned. Four rescuers and two police officers died while trying to help others. 100% of the island without power, 90% without water. The entire island running low on gasoline. 
Bridges and roads collapsed, leaving towns isolated. El Yunque rainforest completely devastated. Entire plantain, coffee, and pineapple crops wiped out. Cattle lost and other dead animals floating around. Roads completely washed away and others blocked by debris, isolating entire towns. It damaged a dam that put 70,000 downstream residents at risk of catastrophe. More than striking the island with water, it looks like it was struck with fire. The island looks like it was burnt. And Maria did more than affecting the Puerto Rican soil with its ferocious force. It targeted the Puerto Ricans that live outside of the island directly in their hearts. Relief efforts began in different areas of the United States, especially in New York and Florida, where a large population of Puerto Ricans reside. The help began to come into the island, but it's been slow to come to the communities where the devastation is described as apocalyptic. This is the reason why Christian Heritage Church wants to intervene. We're actually partnering with Sadie Marrero's home church. I'll try the name. Iglesia Carigna Defensores de la Fe in Bayamon. This is really what the gospel is all about. The items you donate will be given to the homebound, elderly, those without transportation, who can't get to a FEMA distribution point, and those in extreme need. We know Puerto Ricans will stand back up again. They just need a friendly hand to help them during this process. Thank you for helping us touch their lives with the love of Jesus. Sadie and Antonio are both born and raised in Puerto Rico. They came to Tallahassee to go to Florida State, and they've been here since. Just tell us what's on your heart. Um, Thank you. Um, It it has been, obviously, uh, hard. Um, Be away, be in the distance, um, two airplanes away, not knowing how your family is. It took us uh, four days to know that at least our loved ones were, were okay and six days to, to hear their voices, but they, they are fine. They are with electricity, no water, there's no gas. Um, the line to get gas is uh, 12 hours um, to get a $10 um, worth of gas. And there's so many things going on, but the thing is that even though it has been hard, um, God has been there. He was, he is, and he will. And um, thank you for asking about my family. They are okay. In comparison to the rest of the island, they are fine. Uh, mosquitoes and a lot of heat, no water, they, they are fine. But I want to let you know that what, what you saw on those images um, still occurring today. The, the island was struck almost two weeks ago, but as of today, they are, there are families that are still uncommunicated. They have not been rescued as of yet. There, there's a lot of situations in the hospitals um, because of the gas, because there's no gas. So as of Friday, 200 people died because of lack of oxygen People with dialysis or in need of dialysis have been dying. Uh, people without water, so there's a lot of people who have died because of dehydration. And I can go on and on. Um, 
The situation is very difficult over there. So the reason why we want to do this, and I appreciate it, Pastor, um, it's because, like we said, we want to reach to those that are not able to get help. Help has been coming in. But there's a lot of places where they have not seen it because they cannot go to the FEMA stations in order to get help. This is my home church. I was in the youth there. My family goes there. We got married over there. And uh, I trust them. They will be personally going to these places. And um, I see it on Facebook every day. People saying, I have a family member in such and such area, Bayamon, Guajanilla, which is the south of the island, Ponce, places where we have elderly that have not gotten water or a bottle of water in four days. And again, I can go on and on, but thank you for helping. Thank you for asking about my family. And I want to let you know that if you see that Puerto Rico was devastated My neighbors in the Virgin Island, they are doing way worse. So if you have the opportunity to help them too, if you have the opportunity to pray for them, Guadalupe, Barbuda, San Croix, San Martin, San Thomas, my other neighbors in Dominican Republic, um, we all are a community in the Caribbean. So please pray for us. And thank you, church, for helping. You can't imagine... um, This really is is like the word for us. Thank you so much for helping. We do love you. Thank you, Sadie. Thank you, Antonio. We're looking for a contact, a church contact in the Virgin Islands as well, where we can do something to help them. But again, I want it to flow through the church. In evil times, we have days of opportunity. This is an opportunity for the church in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands and the other islands that have been touched and destroyed to show love, mercy, and grace. And it's our opportunity to say we're interested. We want to help. The kingdom is bigger than this building. The kingdom is bigger than this city or this state. God is interested in what's happening there, and he's looking for people who will walk through the door of opportunity. Someone said, how are you getting the supplies there? There's a guy in the church here, Andrew Chambers. Maybe you don't know him, maybe you do. Andrew's the operation manager for the FedEx uh, location here in Tallahassee. And he told me on Friday, he said, you get the stuff to me, we'll give you a substantial discount, and we'll get it to Puerto Rico. Amen? I believe God wants to do those things. And I believe he wants to use us. We've got a whole room full of stuff you've brought since Wednesday. It's going to start going out tomorrow. Sadie's going to be putting it together. If you'd like to come tomorrow and help her, she would greatly appreciate that. Help her pack that stuff up, and we'll get it over to FedEx, and Andrew will take care of it. And we will continue to bring the items that they need and try to help in every way we possibly can. So it's a day of opportunity. We can walk through that door and say, God, thank you for giving us the resources, the ability. Thank you for sparing us. Now let us show grace to someone who saw the devastation. It's a day of an opportunity. We've got to understand that in evil, dangerous times, we have opportunities to show the love, the grace, the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Evil brings pain every time. Every time. That's Satan's game plan. Don't you know that? He wants to make you hurt. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. But the good news is, from that place of evil, the genius of God turns it into good. That's what Romans 8.28 tells me. 
All things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So God can take evil things and turn it into good. From the ashes, people can rise because God has that ability to turn evil into good. If you don't believe that about God, you're serving the wrong God. If you think God did that, you're serving the wrong God. In Luke 21, where we were at two weeks ago, Jesus said, I've got to go because the ruler of the world is coming. He's talking about the enemy, Satan. We've got to understand his whole game plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. Our game plan is to see opportunities in dangerous times and take advantage of them. Be the hands and the feet of Jesus to those in need and show them who God really is. Dangerous times aren't to be feared, but they're to be seen as days of unparalleled opportunity. We must make the most of them. If you wonder about the day we live, you can read Matthew chapter 24. You can read Mark 13. You can read Luke 21. All of those scriptures talk about the last times. Paul talks about it in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You can read those passages of scripture. But we've got to understand in dangerous times, we have opportunity. That's why in our text, Paul said we should walk circumspectly or carefully. We should be aware of the times in which we live. We should be aware of our path. We should be aware of the opportunities. Walk carefully. Matter of fact, when you read verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 5, Paul uses this phrase, Therefore, awake you who sleep, arise you who are dead. Some in the church need to wake up this morning. Some of you here need to wake up this morning. I'm telling you, if you're asleep after that video, there's something wrong with you. You need to go to the doctor. That should have moved you with compassion for those that are hurting. Oh, and by the way, Lyle and Sarah Squires are right over here. They're our friends from Kansas. They've been here twice this year. Isn't that amazing? More than some of you attend church. Thank you for being here this morning. I just had to get that in. It was too perfect. It just slid right in there. Twice in one year, their daughter Kimberly watches us all the time. So Kimberly, wake up this morning. Sometimes she dozes off when I'm preaching. I don't know why, but she does. So anyway, wake up, Paul said. He points back to the fact in that, in that conjunction, therefore, he points back to the fact in verse 8, he said, we are lights. Do you understand when Jesus comes into our hearts and our lives, we become light in the world? He is the light of the world, but we are light in the world. We are not just children of the light. We are light as Jesus shines through us. So he's helping us understand in spiritually dark times when morality is bankrupt, we're not to cover our light and blend into the darkness, but we're to step through the doors of opportunity and let our light shine. So I ask you today, who are you going to influence? What door of opportunity will you walk through? We had the chance last week to influence a lot of people who don't have any connection with God or Jesus Christ. Oh, I pray every day, God, give me an opportunity to be an influence, to be a light. Give me an opportunity to show someone Jesus cares. Yesterday morning, I went to visit Sam at the hospital. And as I was leaving, there was a you know, early in the morning at the hospitals, there was a lot of congestion, a lot of things going on. And there was the cleaning cart in the hallway. There was two or three nurses with those little portable computers that roll around into the rooms, you know. And one of them was trying to come down to Sam's room, and I just stopped. I said, come on through, ma'am. She said, were you visiting Mr. Sam? I said, yes, I was. She said, how do you know him? I said, well, I'm his pastor. 
And her, her face kind of looked like hope at last. She said, did you come and pray for him? Yes, ma'am, I did. And then she said these words. My grandpa was a preacher. I haven't been in church for years. But those two people in that room, Mr. Sam and Miss Tina, they're showing the love of Jesus Christ. And it makes me want to come back. Oh, come on, somebody. Where's the opportunity? Where's the opportunity? You don't have to walk up to someone and teach them the Romans road. Just show them the love of Jesus Christ. You don't have to know the Bible from front to back. Just show them light in darkness. Just be what God's already created you through salvation to be. And that's light in a place of darkness. Verse 15 says, walk circumspectly or walk carefully. Because of these dangerous times, Paul said it's very important that you watch how you walk or live your life. When you read it from a newer translation, it says, look carefully. That means to consider with exactness. Consider with precision. Actually, when you trace that Greek word back, it's an accounting term. And you know that if you have someone doing your books, they had better be right. I mean, I don't want an accountant who says, well, I don't remember. Was that a 10 or was that a 100? It really doesn't make any difference. It's only a zero. He says, walk precisely, exactly. Know where you're going and why you're going there. It's vital to be exact. Yet many of us just kind of sleepwalk through life. And that's why Paul wrote in verse 14, Arise you who, awake you who sleep, arise you who are dead. Come on folks, it's time to get in the fight. Come to church, Sunday morning at 10.30, when I feel like it, is not in the fight. Matter of fact, you know why you come to church? You come to church so you'll be encouraged, so you'll be inspired, so the Spirit of God will fill your life with other believers. Oh, don't be like those who say, I can worship out there in nature, sure you can, but you're not going to get when you're, what you get when you're in the presence of God's children. That's why Paul said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Get to church. That's what he's saying. Not because I need you here, because you need to be here. You need to be here. You need to experience what God can You need to experience moments like we had this morning when the Spirit of God t- comes down and touches people's lives in an unscripted way. That's what God does. When we say, I'm going to be a part, I'm going to get in the fight. We have to walk carefully in this evil day. To walk carefully in dangerous times, the first thing we have to do is use our time wisely. And I see I'm almost out, so I'm going to wrap this up. We'll finish it next week. How about that? Who will be back next week to hear the conclusion of this message? If you don't raise your hand, we're not letting you out the door and you have to stay all week. How about that? We got plenty of water and plenty of bread, so I hope you like it. Be back next week. It's going to be a great time in the presence of God. Let me read it from the literal translation, verse 15 and 16 of our text. Paul says, therefore, look carefully how you walk. Tom, would you come back? Not as unwise men, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. We need to understand that in this day and in this time, 
we have opportunities. Not just in Puerto Rico or the islands of the Caribbean, not just in Houston or in South Florida. And by the way, I do want to see us taking folks to those areas to help people rebuild. Can you say amen? You know I believe in missions with all my heart. I love to go to other countries. But I also believe God has called us to Jerusalem first. And we have an opportunity through evil times to touch people with the love of Jesus Christ. So if you have ideas, please come and talk to me about them because I don't have to invent everything. I'm open to anything you may have as well. But let's find ways to walk through these doors of opportunity and see people's lives change. Send your feet with me this morning. Really didn't get through much about the introduction today, but we'll get to the rest of it later. I've asked Tom and the worship team to learn a song for this time as we conclude this service. It's a song that's touched my heart. It's a song that has become my mantra. It's a song that I want you to hear and I want you to sing and I want you to understand you're a person of destiny. God wants to use you to change history. I want you to understand this is your day. This is your hour. It's time to awake and let the light of Christ shine through you. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.